Hey everybody, welcome to episode two. So today we decided to talk about finances and financial goals um, based on some requests that came in. So uh, Drew's going to talk more about um, lifestyle and creating a budget and we'll we'll kind of give some examples and talk about some things that have worked for us. Um, but I just want you to remember that whenever you open up this conversation within your marriage or relationship, um, make sure that you remember this is a vulnerable topic. Um, most arguments within, especially within the first year of marriage, tend to revolve around finances. And from what we've heard from other couples, it continues um, no, ma- no matter how long you've been married. So just make sure that you are being respectful and being open as well and not um, not attacking your partner in any way and just trying to be honest with each other about money. I think the goal too is is to come together around your new goals because a, a family unit is it's different. You're you're shifting, you're changing, you potentially have a saver and a spender who's now come together which is very dangerous um, in terms of if you keep your natural style because the the spender will want to obviously spend it in the saver. There's going to be contention because of that. And there, there's a conversation that absolutely has to be had around, you know, w- what are our goals? And most people just default into it and don't set aside time to approach the subject, especially because it's such a tense one. Mm-hmm. that most people are, you know, <laughs> honestly afraid to approach. So they'd rather not deal with it. And, you know, just acknowledging this is tense and there may be some heart talks uh, <laughs> that we referenced last episode um, around this after, you know, after you do have those conversations. So whether you're just getting married or you've been married for a year or 30 years, you may not have ever established a budget um, in, in this may be a time that you're figuring out after 30 years, wow, my wife's a (laughs) spender and I'm a saver. Maybe we should actually talk about that um, and figure out what we want to do to solidify our future finances. Yeah, as they say, I think it was a Chinese proverb, best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second (laughs) best time is today. And yeah, it just starting, you know, at any point is really, really, um, really good going forward because there's so much momentum that can be gained and honestly so much less tension and stress for us, you know, same thing there that conversations that we avoided to start with, um, we realized were really important and have, have since worked through to come together around what our goals are. And I feel like it's brought us a lot closer together. So what do we need to look at first, Drew? I think the first thing to look at is what do you want your lifestyle to be? And the reality is, you know, I'm, I'm a saver in a lot of ways by nature. And yet if you do that too far to one side, then you don't live a life. And the reality is nobody gets, nobody's promised tomorrow. And so if we save everything, um, for later, we may not get to later. We yeah, may. I, I have a story about that actually. So when I was in physical therapy school, um, I had a patient that I was visiting with, and he had you know a lot of injuries that he was working on rehabbing, and he told me I have saved money my entire life to be able to travel now, 
And now that I'm this age and I have all of this money, I can't travel because my body can't handle it. And that hit me pretty hard. And I remember sharing that with you. And, um, and even though we love to travel, we still made some arrangements or changes to our budget based on, you know, how that statement impacted us. Yeah, because I think, again, there are people, a lot of stories like that where you wait and you don't get the opportunity. And again, not an excuse to go uh, run off and spend all, all the money you don't have on a trip, yet figuring out what that lifestyle is going to be and what you're going to spend on because, you know, there's there's spending versus investing the money. And obviously we want a balance of some sort, yet um, just making sure that you figure out specifically together as a couple, or if it's you by yourself, what do I really want to focus and spend money on? And for us, that's been travel. That's been the most important thing in terms of experiences for us. And we, other areas, we, we cut back in terms of cars. That's a, it's a big one for us. Yeah. So some other examples of those choices that you might make to spend money on, you know, travel, like we said, family planning, um, maybe you need a new car or you want a new car, um, and even self-care because that's huge right now, um, everywhere. Yeah. So you want to look at, are you, um, living above equal or below your means currently before you're, you know, establishing your budget? Yeah. I think that goes back to, um, you know, once, once you thought a little bit about the lifestyle and what you do want to spend money on, um, and it goes back to vulnerability take the judgment out of it. The reality is um, you may not have had the the lessons of how to save money or how to budget. And we judge ourselves so much around this. And if we just go into it open-minded to say, okay, where am I? And just take whatever the answer is, because the awareness around that is going to help you make a decision. Because if, if we stay in this place of not knowing and not wanting to know, we're never going to get to where we want to go. And so I think that starts with a really honest evaluation of, you know, am, am I at above or below the means that we have? And so it's, it's in terms of how to do that, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, is the money coming in greater, equal to, or less than what goes out? And, you know, and what are the things, are, are there credit cards, um, bills, and some other things as a ramification of that that needs to go into a potential budget, which is the next topic. Yeah, so we want to look at um, creating your budget um, that works for you. So where we like to start anytime we are reassessing or creating our budget is with statements, Um, whether that's bank statements, credit card statements. You want to create that awareness around what you are spending money on. Um, And something that can help is as you're going through those statements, you know, list categories of um, the items that you're spending money on, whether it's grocery or date nights um, or, you know, self-care and um, and create those those t- titles and write down the amount of money that you are spending from that statement. Yeah, I think a really nice tool um, from this is actually going through the, the card, credit cards especially, and banks. They have ways to pull off those statements into um, CSV or basically Excel file format. And if you just pull those off, you can do it right there in Excel and just put the categories in. And if you have some, some higher level understanding of it, you can really take that in and have it added up for you. It'll be a lot more simple. And just remember this does again, no self judgment, go into it 
with the goal of whatever the truth is, is most important so that we can take that and, and use it to go to the next place. I think that's the, the biggest key. Absolutely. So, um, you want to go again from where you are to where you want to be and figuring out where you are with those statements is going to be that, that first step. Um, and then we'll talk about going to where you want to be with, um, with some goals. With the goals and, you know, it, it, it really, the basic is what do we want in terms of savings? What do we want in terms of investing and what do we want to spend? And, and it can be summed up very simply. If you are working where you get the same pay in terms of a salary, um, you know, month after month, then it's, it's pretty simple to work backwards to say, okay, here's what percentages or here's what amounts we can use for these categories. And if you are, you know, like a, a self-employed person, um, such as what I do, then it's a little, you know, it's, it's, it's still similar format and especially self-employed, you want to make sure you're below your means if it's variable income. So you also want to account for surprises within your budget. So, you know, having a savings amount, um, that that's going to be for a time like right now, you know, in this COVID-19 world, um, this is been a surprise for a lot of people. Um, and having a separate savings account for emergencies and surprises like this one uh, is very important. Um, you want to think about uh, a reserve savings. Yeah. So most, you know, and again, a lot of people that are working uh, W-2 or salary don't think about saving for emergency savings. And now is a really good example of why at any point in time, we, we should always have that. And layoffs, I mean, different things that happen um, to have a certain number of months. And there's two ways to go about it. You can say the blanket rule of like, okay, you know, you need three to six months of reserve savings of what your expenses are, which we'll get back to expenses because with all of this, we have to know how much we spend each month. And so, you know, either three to six months of reserves or if you take your specific um, work, and say, okay, what, what does it take? What does it look like? Um, best case, average, worst case to find a job. How long would that take if I got laid off from my current position? Then factor that in. And if you know for a fact that you know, within three months you're going to have a job again, then three months is enough. In the self-employed world, it's absolutely six months. And, and ideally six months to a year of expenses that you want to have as a reserve emergency account. And this is not a, Hey, let's take money out of this to go um, buy some furniture or this other thing that I really want. This is a, an account that isn't touched for a um, really, I guess the way to best way to put it is like, help me sleep at night or you know, make me, make me calm um, and not stress as much. So in, he was talking about multiple savings accounts. So we have that reserve savings that we do not touch. And, um, you know, we have decided what percent to put into that, um, each month from our current income to build that up to that, you know, six months to a year amount that would cover our expenses. Um, and then we also have a tax account. So since Drew's self-employed, you know, in the real estate world, coaching world, they don't pull out taxes like a W-2 employee like myself um, working in a hospital. Um, they, they pull out taxes. So I don't have to worry about that. 
but when Drew gets paid and gets a you know a check for each property he sells or you know you know along those lines, we have to pull out a specific amount for taxes from that paycheck and it goes into the tax account. And that um, you know with him we pay quarterly taxes, um, but that saves you from you know tax time coming around and oh my gosh thousands of dollars owed for our taxes. You know we've got that account built up and. You have to be disciplined in this and, you know, oh, I'll just keep this one paycheck. Like, no, you have to put the percentage into that tax account. I think that's the same concept and way to be around savings. If you say you're going to, and this and this is savings, this is uh, investing, this is giving, whatever that looks like. If it's, you know, a certain percentage, then you absolutely stick to that. That's the best way to build the positive habits. And with, with the tax account, the IRS doesn't care if you decided one month that you wanted to go get the extra thing. They're still going to want the same amount of money. Yet the tough part is that your savings won't. Your savings won't come back and yell at you and say, hey, uh, and unless you just get to a point where you realize, hey, I really needed that savings for something uh, that came up. Yeah. So within to recap, within our bank account, we have four accounts. Um, we have one for our main main account where money goes in, money goes out. Um, we have one for reserve savings, that emergency, you know, six months to a year savings. We also have our tax account. And then we have investing, investing. Yes. Our investing account. So you have to decide what percentage again, you want to go into your investing account as well. Yeah. And it goes back to lifestyle. You know, what, what does that look like in terms of, of lifestyle and long-term goals for investing? So for us, we've, we've sat down, uh, looked at the numbers, looked at the income amount that we need passively at that point. And for us, it's rental properties. And so what amount do we need to, you know, how many properties do we need to have? And based on that, how much do we need to save each month so that we can have the number of properties, you know, and purchase them in time to get the money that we need? So, and Drew's talking about, you know, when he says get the money that we need, he's talking about more retirement. Um, you know, how much passive income do we need to have to cover our expenses um, to be able to have the lifestyle we want once we're done with our careers, whenever we decide that may be. Right. Well, and, and the other part is what do we want in terms of um, really financial freedom? And it may not even be, I mean, I, I don't see a point where uh, either one of us could stop moving yeah. for too long. So it's just a financial freedom of if we wanted to take some time off or if we you know, needed to for some reason, then we would be in that position. And that's where it goes back into to goals is this, you know, depending on your age, um, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, what is that point to where you want to be at a place where you don't have to do the things that you don't want to do? And can I give up a little bit now for that? So we want to use visuals when we're creating a budget. Um, we, we have a spreadsheet on our computer through Excel. We're able to divide up our you know, categories that we have for spending into those Excel files. And then we can see it on a pie chart and see what percent of our budget is going to certain things like, um, like car or house or, you know, just things like that. Um, and we'll talk more about our categories here in a minute when we talk about what we do for monthly 
uh, budgeting. Yeah, and the, the visuals are um, very revealing. When you look at it and you say, okay, I've got this amount going to here and this amount going to there, um, it's totally different to look at it in terms of a pie chart of what percentage of your overall that something is to look at housing or, or look at um, a car and see it be a, a certain amount. I know big one for a lot of people is eating out. And that budget to, to see it um, be a large percentage visually can have a different impact uh, to help you potentially realize and, and make a change if you want in that area. Yeah. So using that Excel file, you can you know use that to start out after you've created that awareness, looking at your bank statements, you've listed out the categories, um, you see how much you spend, and then you can see, you know, in a pie chart, wow, I spend this percent in, um, in the area of eating out, say, and I want to take that down to this amount. So that's kind of going from that where you are to where you want to be. And you can use those visuals to figure out, okay, where do I need to cut money to be at that, you know, where I want to be standpoint. Yeah, I think it's once we do have that amount um, for what we actually spend and you're creating the budget and figuring out what that amount is going to be, you definitely, I mean, almost all the time, it, it helps to look at it in terms of how do I reduce it. So if, if, you know, what I spend is what I'm comfortable spending, even if that's the case, it's really healthy practice to say, okay, let's, let's cut it by 20% on of what we can spend and let's go through item by item. And this is what we did uh, whenever we went through it and just went item by item to say, okay, what amount can we cut out of this? And we found a lot of money, which, you know, again, let's say a hundred dollars a month turns into $1,200 a year. And that's a lot of money over the course of, you know, $12,000 over 10 years. So just making sure that um, when you can, cutting and, and focusing on that, there's a lot of, of naturally waste that happens that we, you know, ate something out and we didn't really need to that night. And it really wasn't even that great. We just did the extra night instead of, you know, adapting and, and having one night in. Yeah. And then the food that we had in our refrigerator went bad that we already paid for. So... <laughs> then it's really not worth it. <laughs> right. And I think that's the focus. And, and just talking about this and, and looking at it and paying attention creates a different type of awareness around the budget overall and money. And, you know, even if, if your habits aren't great or you weren't taught great habits around money, over time, you just start to, to change and shift a little bit whenever you see certain things like that of like, hey, you know, this, when we go to the, the grocery store for us, um, you know, what can we save a little bit of money on? And, you know, if, if I get this brand versus this brand, the difference ends up being $50 at the end of the month. And when you're first starting out with that, um, creating that budget, you'll probably want to revisit it. At least for the first three months, you'll want to revisit it each month um, and make sure you're staying on track with what your goals were, what your, what your ideas were. And then after you've established it and you're staying consistent, really revisiting it at least once a year is sufficient as long as you're staying on track. Yeah, a really good time to to set goals overall and also to look at the finances at the end of the year. If you are revisiting it once a year and just around Christmas time, around the holidays, when there's downtime, whatever that looks like, take a little bit of time and just reassess. You know, are, are you know where are 
um, the areas that we're allocating? Do we want to change anything within that? So we'll kind of move on to following a budget. And there's different um, options that you have. Um, Drew and I have chosen to use a cash system. And for those of you that have done Dave Ramsey, it's similar to that. We never took the Dave Ramsey course, but we've used the ideas of pulling out cash and having it in categories and making it um, the only cash that we use in that category, our plan. So um, I'm going to tell you what our um, categories are for our monthly cash-based system. And remember that you get to choose the amounts that go into these based on what's realistic for you. You want to make sure you pick something that's realistic. So, you know, say we have an eating out category. And if it's not realistic for you to only eat out one time per month, then don't make your budget $50 for eating out because then you're going to fail. But if you fail, then, you know, you can revisit. Looking at the cash system, you can use it long term. And yet, I think the idea behind it and the overall premise is you don't have to stop swiping a card. You, if you look into the envelope and there's no cash left, then you have no more money and you've spent the budget. And that's the the easiest, absolute easiest way to stay within the budget is just like, you know, way back in the day. Uh, what was that, 20 years ago? before they had all that and you actually had to use the cash. And if you ran out, you ran out and you had no more money for it. And the way that we do it now, you know, with all these cards, it doesn't track it the same way. And you don't know till after the fact, or if you have the discipline to go back and review each month, then you know where you overspent instead of knowing the day, if it's the 16th and we ran out of eating out, which is what happened <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. Oh then, yeah. It's happened. Then, um, you know for a fact that you missed on the budget. It's not that it's that much work because honestly, it's it's work in the beginning, but you're securing your financial future. And that's what's most important. Um, and it is, you do have to have discipline to use this cash system because it's really hard to like, you know, man, I really want to eat out, but I've got like $10 left. I'm like, you want to go to McDonald's? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't eat McDonald's, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you say, um, you know, being realistic. And I think the key is it doesn't really matter if you are or you aren't. If you say, great, then we're going to um, spend $10 a month on eating out, then uh, go for it. And if you can, great. And if you fail, then great. Change it and readjust and then go the next month. And um, and that's the process. I think for us. We've done that too. Yeah, it took, I don't know, how many months do you think it took? It probably took three it probably took three months for us to like solidify our categories. And then when we revisited it at the end of the year, um, we had to change some things again, uh, based on our new goals or things that have had come, come up. Yeah. And, and I think, um, well, ultimately we're still not there. It's been, how long has it been? Uh, we've been doing it since January of last year. So January of 2019. Yep. So yep. You're in, in a little bit over a year and we're still not there. I mean, eating or not eating out, but groceries. groceries. Yep. Groceries. Drew eats yeah, so well, much. <laughs> I eat interesting stuff. So, and, and, and yet we're working on that. We're yeah. looking at, um, we're figuring out how to bulk buy at Sam's. Like we, we would bulk buy at Sam's, but we wouldn't bulk buy the right things. And so we're, I mean, we've set our budget and now we're trying to figure out how to make the grocery stores work best for our budget. 
Yeah, and, and I think uh, the other key, too, is when we miss with groceries, where does it come from? Eating out. Right. And I don't like bummer. that because I like to eat out. <laughs> right. So there's incentive there for us to figure it out. And I think that's the other part of being like, oops, well, we went over, so I'm just going to swipe the card now. I think um, taking it from something that hurts a little bit more to do, the eating out, that's really pushed us. And, and otherwise, we wouldn't be, which what we're doing right now currently is taking all the receipts. We have them all in a way that we can look at all of the receipts for the groceries that we've got. Just gotten. groceries. We don't do it for every category, but since groceries is the one that we're having trouble with, we're keeping the receipts. So if you end up having trouble with a different category, then um, then you can do the same thing. Keep the receipts for that category and see, okay, we ate at two really expensive restaurants when we could have eaten, you know, eaten at four moderately expensive restaurants so how many times do you want to eat out two or four and then that can dictate where you decide to go yeah and this doesn't happen if you don't have a budget to start with i think that's what's cool about it doesn't matter pick a number pick any random number and then when you're forced to go back and reevaluate hey how do i do this better it's like anything else in life if we if we fail at it if we missed it then let's analyze it let's take a look see where we can adjust and you know, bulk buy something or, um, like you said, eat out at, you know, restaurants that don't cost quite as much. So I'm going to tell you what our categories are for our main cash envelope. So the one that I have, you know, on hand has groceries, eating out, entertainment, which that includes things like our date nights, um, you know, that, that kind of thing, going to the movies, personal money. So Drew and I both each individually Ooh, have about personal that. money. Hold yes. on. Let me, let me tell me what the rest of the categories are first. Um, then we have gifts uh, because everybody's got birthdays and, um, you know, you've got nieces and nephews and kids and all the above and you got to get them gifts. And then gas money. We each have our own individual gas budget and then dogs. So we got to feed our fur babies and, you know, they need new, new toys every now and then. Mm. And then we have a miscellaneous category. And what we typically will end up using that for is like, say, you know, Drew's family lives in Mountain Home. So that's if we end up going to Mountain Home, um, then we're probably going to need more gas money outside what we already budgeted for in our gas category for that month because, you know, we create that number based off driving around town. Um, so if we're going on a trip, going to Dallas, going to Mountain Home, um, then we'll use that miscellaneous money if we need extra gas money or something like that. Or if we just get in a pickle um, in, in that range. Um, so those are our main categories and in my main envelope. Now you might be thinking, okay, well that doesn't account for things that come up throughout the year. So how are you putting cash aside for those things? So we have a second envelope that we pull money out for each month that, you know, we keep safe. And, um, those, so I'm going to tell you those categories. So we have dog again, and that's going to be like, and hold on, you said keep safe. What do you mean? Like we lock it up. Like in we our don't house. travel outside, run around with. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't walk around with this one. We keep it locked up in the house and a safe. So. And and it's a, a discipline thing to it. it yeah. I mean, it does help to have it somewhere that's not out and accessible. Yeah. Um. So the dog one is going to be more for their vet bills. You know, they go to the vet once a year. If they need, you know, flea and tick medication, things like that. That's where that comes from. Then we have a medical file 
and that has our insurance. So Drew and I, since you're self-employed, we pay for our insurance out of pocket. So it has that as well as, um, so right now, family planning money. Um, so that's any type of medical bill. Then we have car maintenance. So oil changes, tire rotations, etc. Those come up during the year. And you want to see like when you're creating these files, you want to look back at your statements, you know, that awareness that you created and see how much you're spending on those things yearly and then divide it by 12, you know, and then you pull out that money each month, 12 months in the year. Um, the others that we have are car insurance. So again, adding that up, dividing it by 12. Um, Drew has professional dues. So we pull out money for that. Um, his business trips. We also have property taxes, uh, travel. So going back to that lifestyle, travel is something that's important to us. So we decided to pull out money each month to set aside for traveling specifically. So then we're not, you know, using our savings account to take a trip. We have a specific folder for that. And if we don't have enough money in it, then we're not taking a trip. Um, but we also have Christmas. Pull out money each month. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And then Didn't come back around. And then two more. Um, we have an emergency category. And then we have a home insurance category. Yeah, and taxes and home insurance. Uh, if you if you own a house and uh, you make payments with with their escrowed, basically, if if you make just one payment, then you don't have to do the home insurance. Um, the the taxes is also personal property taxes, which is taxed on your car. And so the the goal being that there's nothing that happens during the year that you don't have money saved up for, and. These are savings accounts to where, or basically individual little savings accounts to where when the um, car insurance bill comes due, we have that amount of money in there and we've saved each month to get it to that point. So yours is likely on a draft like ours is. So when our car insurance comes out, it's drafted out of our bank account. And when I see that that comes up on our bank account, I go to the envelope, I take out money for that payment and I deposit it into the account that it was drafted out of. And then it's like it never happened. That's that's how to keep it from being peaks and, and valleys or ups and downs in terms of expenses to where all of a sudden June you spend three times as much money because your car insurance drafts and these other things that don't typically happen. And a big one is Christmas. So for the end of the year, people have, uh, if they if they use credit cards or just regardless, they spend a lot proportionately then. And for us, that's one thing that's taken a lot of stress out is we've already got that money and um, we also have a budget with it, which I think is, is really important. And yes, it's it's gifts. And yet if there's any focus of, hey, we're, we're going to focus on staying within this budget and be thoughtful about mm -hmm. the gifts we're getting, then it just eliminates unnecessary extra spending. So like we spend a certain amount on each other. We send, spend a certain amount on parents and nieces and nephews and every you know everybody's got their own amount budgeted in within that Christmas budget oh that's a great place actually for you to talk about what you do with your siblings yeah so um Drew and I when we we've kind of started things with, with this with both of our sets of siblings um so so I think a lot of people can worry about man, I have 10 brothers and sisters or, you know, just <laughs> depends on what your family situation is. 
But buying Christmas presents for everyone can be so draining. I mean, it can just be hard um, because you want to, you know, you want to spend $200 on all of them or, you you know, do what you can. But that's not feasible, especially when you're creating a budget. So what we've done with our siblings is um, we have started drawing for gifts. So we put everybody's name in a bowl and we match up. um, We match up for gifts by drawing. So instead of buying for all, however many of my siblings, I draw one person's name. So I'm buying for my sister, Lauren, and then Drew draws a name and say he's buying for, um, for my brother-in-law, Logan. Um, so we've got married couples all within the same sibling pool. So then instead of spending, you know, we set the budget at $50 a gift and then we're able to spend a little bit more on them than we typically would if we were having to buy for seven people. Um, so then I know that I'm spending $50 on at least one sibling and Drew's spending $50 on one sibling. And that is our budget for my siblings. And then we do the same thing for his side of the family. I think it's nice too, because they, and and what we do is really ask and they get what they want something specific um and you know otherwise I think there's a lot of temptation just to get a certain number of things to be given out um you know as smaller gifts so I think that's pretty cool yeah and everybody knows what the budget is so you know my my brother knows like we can only spend fifty dollars on him so this is what um this is what he's gonna ask for if you know he does that and that's that's actually a really good point of of um honestly you know more comfortable too because it it levels it out so nobody's buying you know ridiculous gifts and then everybody else's you know doesn't have the budget for that I I think that's really cool too in terms of like everybody has the same thing and um, it makes it simple all yeah all the siblings decide what the budget is going to be collectively so I just wanted to make a note that the cash that we pull out is obviously not everything that is coming out of our bank account each month. It's the things that are discretionary. So, you know, where we go out to eat, we have this much money. But things like our utility bills or tithing, things that come out of our bank account automatically or things that are on auto draft, they're built into our Excel file budget, but we don't pull that money out each month because it's not ever going to change. So, um, you know, we're not perfect. We don't just use this cash system, but we, you know, we follow it. However, we do still have a credit card and, you know, this is kind of a, we, we agree, but we don't necessarily agree on still having the credit card. You know, Drew would rather not have it. And I'm sure he'll pipe in in a minute about his, (laughs) his opinions regarding credit cards. But what we have is an airline mile card. And so, my, you know, my perspective on having the credit card is if we're still going to follow the cash system and we're only going to spend a certain amount in each category and not go over by using the credit card as a crutch, um, then, you know, I feel like at times if we have things that cost quite a bit of money, say you, your, your car insurance, right? Say it's, it comes out of a credit card. Well, that's a pretty large amount, um, often. So, I'm like, why can't we just get the airline miles if we've already got the cash saved up and I'm going to pay it straight back to the credit card and we're not going to have um, inve- uh, interest building up on this credit card. You know, we might as well get the, air- get the airline miles. And 
the thing about that is that Drew and I, with you know, w- when we do travel, typically we have enough airline miles to go wherever we want to go. And so I'm like, well, we've spent this money on other things, and now it equates to free travel because we were going to spend the money anyway. So that's kind of, that's my opinion. But you have to be really disciplined if you are going to continue to use a credit card. You can't go over your cash envelope amount. You've got to stay within it. Um, and not be like, oh, well, I'll use next month's money to come back and pay pay it off on the credit card. Yeah, I think it, it's it's very there, there's a lot of um, thought involved. So you have you have to have a budget. You have to have a way to review the budget because on the credit card, you just spend that, and then most people just go along and and swipe and don't go back and look and it takes a lot of extra discipline to do that it's not a natural thing that's why the cash system is nice because it's so natural it's already got its own stops and and protection put in place and with the card remember these are for-profit companies that have credit cards and the the miles are incentives because they know it's a a risk that if they give the card out they're going to end up making more money in interest than what they pay out in terms of of um, card rewards and just to play devil's advocate for a minute you know if if you spend on a card and you overspend by a, a really small percentage typically two three four five percent then you're going to basically give away more more money than if you had just not used a card and pay for the travel outright so it can seem like a benefit and yet ultimately you lost along the way because you didn't stick to that budget exactly. Yeah, you have to make sure that you are paying it off before, you know, your monthly payment is due so that, you know, and paying off the entire balance before your monthly payment is due so that you don't get that get hit with that 18% interest or rate. 26. Yeah, yeah, or 26 depending on the card that you have. I think ours is 18, so that's the only one I know. <laughs> yeah, and, and the miles the miles are good and uh, as long as you're very, very cautious in how you do it. And it's like, I mean, I hate to equate it to guns, but I think that's the best way of like, if, if you ever stop respecting a a gun, then you then it gets very dangerous. And in the same way, if you stop respecting and, and having a, a natural, um, a bit of a fear around credit cards and around that debt, then uh, you'll end up with a lot of it. And it's a very tough situation because it grows very rapidly and eats away at, at the extra money you have. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to step back to the personal money because I, I know that, you know, people might have questions about personal money. So within our envelopes, you know, Drew and I have decided um, what personal money will mean for each of us each month. And that means that with that, I get, personally, I get a certain amount of money that I'm able to spend on whatever I want to spend it on. Um, now, Drew and I have also, we, we keep our grocery budget a certain amount, um, and then, like, say we take a lot of vitamins or supplements. So, those, we've decided that vitamins and supplements will come out of our personal money. So, our personal money budgets are a little higher because of that, um, but but it still is within the umbrella of our overhead budget and what we've decided is okay for us. Um, so you have to decide what personal money is going to mean for your budget. Yeah, I think let's let's stop right here. If you're not listening, pay close attention because this is probably the one of the best 
pieces of relationship advice um, that that I can give or that we can give is having personal money. Because when we first got married, um, it was for me paying attention to like everything that that happens on the card and like in and sitting over here like it and it wasn't a trust thing it was just a the way that I approached finances uh, is to constantly monitor and that caused a lot of tension for me to ask you like well what was this and what was that instead of having a set budget and an amount to where we can just say okay this amount of money is the personal budget and it doesn't matter I don't I don't have to think about even for me like I, I just wouldn't buy anything. Now I come home with a new rug and he knows it came out of my personal money. So it doesn't matter exactly <laughs> how much it costs. And before I'm like, Hey, well, here's a rug. Well, how much, you know, how much did it cost? And, and where'd you get it from? And like, well, did we have the, the budget money for that? And, you know, again, definitely not the best. Um, that's a very, very poor way to approach it. And we eliminated all of those conversations because of it. And it also allowed me, um, being a, a more of a saver to actually get some of the things that I like wanted and because I had a, a budget set aside for it and it makes it a little more clearly defined to say, well, I can go get, you know, this thing or that thing because of that. Yeah. You had to treat yourself and that's, I mean, personal budgets are important because like, you know, I'm a girl, like I got to get my hair done and that's just me. And you know, Drew gets his hair cut too. And that comes out of his personal money. Um, but th- like it, it's something you have to do for yourself. Like self-care is so important mentally, physically, all the above. You've got to take care of yourself. And like you can't personally, this is my opinion, but you can't just say you're never going to buy anything from a clothing store ever again. Like it's some, it's nice to get a new pair of jeans in the winter. Um, and that's what this budget allows for without guilt or, you know, attacking your spouse or partner about about that. Well, and it, it's naturally helps save, save, first of all, save the argument and naturally helps both a, a spender and a saver because the saver can go spend a little bit of money on some things that they want. And for the spender, they automatically they say, well, I, I guess I don't really want this thing as much as maybe I thought I did because I want this other thing more. And that's not the conversation that has to happen between spouses. And, and again, you're not that way. Um, I'm not saying you are that Thanks. way. And yet, um, you know, we, we all see examples where it becomes a big point of contention. And when, when we talk about finances being the point of contention in a relationship, a lot of it has to do with how we choose to spend what would be quote unquote personal money mm-hmm. and, um, and really getting into some bad relationship habits within that. Yes. So if y'all have more questions about you know, the cash envelopes that we use and kind of how we categories categorize things, you're always welcome, welcome to ask if you have further questions. Yeah, absolutely. Reach out to us and let us know because there's a, a lot that goes into this and yet it's, you just start with one level of it. You know, what do I spend? And then after I figure out what do I spend, what do I want to spend? And then start categorizing. And, and we're to the level where we can take the grocery budget and look at these items and, and figure out how to, you know, save money on the specific receipt items because we've set up the framework for the other stuff. We couldn't be doing that right out of the gate and nor would I recommend it. Keep it very simple because if you say I'm going to do everything just all the way down to the smallest detail from day one, um, that's not the way to build habits and you'll end up dropping the whole thing and throwing it out the window. 
So I think that's really important. And one last um, thing that I wanted to mention, which is a little bit separate around debt and investing, is the conversation that Brandon and I have been having recently around, hey, do we pay off um, some debt or do we invest money into something? So I'm just going to give you an example of our situation. So, you know, I just got done with physical therapy school a year ago. So we have some loans in that, in that area that we have to pay off. Um, we also, you know, recently we had to, we had one car payment, um, mine, and that was something that we decided to pay off after a conversation. Um, so we, you know, we have student loan debt. We had, we had a car payment that was a monthly payment. Um, we also have rental properties, um, that you can invest in. So, um, Drew's going to talk a little bit more about like why we decided to pay off the car versus putting it aside for more investing, things like that. Yeah. And, and I'm also a business coach, so this might get a little bit into the weeds. And yet if we look at this overall, if, if I can make 10% on, on something, so if I'm going to put money towards something and I can make 10% versus paying off something, that's at 5%, then you're going to end up in a better place in the long run if you put money toward the investing. So with with real estate, um, we've taken some money that could have gone toward paying down or paying off student loans and instead put that into real estate because of the the fact that it earns more in interest and it fits our long-term plans in a better way. And yet, uh, it's not always black and white. So we decided to pay off a car, a Brent's car. And that was not in terms of, of dollars and cents and investment percentages, not the best move yet. It did cut uh, a certain amount of mandatory money that we had to spend each our, month, each month our, our, our bottom dollar in terms of budget. And, you know, especially amidst all of the craziness that's been happening recently, then it was a decision to go ahead and eliminate something that we no longer have to pay each month. And so I think the key is just to to be aware that um, it's not always best to, you know, in terms of, of black and white, it's not always best to pay off the debt. It's not always best to invest. It's just making sure that we know why we're making the decision we're making. As a basic tip, though, when you're looking at the things that you have to pay off, it is important to look at what has the highest interest rate. So, you know, I have different categories of student loans and each of them have different percentage of, of interest that is accruing on those said loans. So when we're making additional payments on my student loans on top of the required monthly payments, we choose the one that has the highest interest rate to put our money toward. And that's kind of just a, you know, a, a, a basic step that you can take. So if y'all have any questions regarding, you know, finances, financial goals that we didn't touch on in this podcast, you can always just shoot us a message and say, hey, can you talk about this a little bit more um, in another podcast? Or if you have a completely different question, you're always welcome to uh, to ask that and, and contact us. Yeah, and I think each one of these items we can go so much more granular and into a deeper level on. And so if there's something... Uh, you, you know, reach out. We we can cover it on a podcast. We can work one on one and talk about it because it's so important. And my point of view is it's so important to get this part right because once you have it done, um, there's a level of peace that comes with it. And you know, for me, especially being 
um, self-employed in, in regards to not having a salary, it is such a different level of peace to know exactly where the budget is and exactly um, how much that you know that we are going to spend. Because otherwise, in any job, as as you work longer, often you make more. And if you if you set the budget early, if you set a lifestyle early, it's so much easier than attempting to go backwards. And and it absolutely can be done. Yet, if you start out early, then your um, cost of living doesn't rise with the level of income because that is a statistically proven fact. You make more, you spend more. If you don't put systems in place to protect yourself and if you set those early and then you do make more, then you can get to the places that you want to be in terms of financial goals faster. So that's going to wrap up episode two of Life Etc. If you all have questions, just let us know. Thank you for listening.